biblical encouragement for women of all ages. I want to start out by apologizing. I've missed a few weeks of recording this podcast due to travel and sickness, but I'm excited to be back. And I am going to be starting a series today on Darlene Dibler. She is one of my favorite missionary heroes. She was an American missionary to New Guinea during the Second World War, and her story is truly incredible. You can read about her life in her book, Evidence Not Seen. Over the summer, I did some guest podcasts for our Daily Thunder series on her life, and it so impacted me that I wanted to share some of those same principles with you today. I wanted to let you know also that for the next week or so, you can go to our website, setapartgirl.com, and click on Shop, and you'll see a lot of Christmas specials available. So if you're looking for those last-minute gifts that really have spiritual depth, I encourage you to go there and check out some of our books and other resources, which are available at special prices and bundles for the holidays. Let's dive into spiritual lessons from Darlene Dibler. Now, this first message is called Never for a Moment, and it's based on my favorite quote from Darlene Dibler's book. She came to a place in her life where circumstances were so dark and so bleak, and she was really struggling with with knowing whether God was really still with her. And she had a, a moment where she she decided that she was going to take her eyes off her circumstances and fix them on Jesus. And it made all the difference in the world. And this is what she said. I discovered that when I took my focus off the circumstances that were overwhelming me, over which I had no control and looked up, my Lord was there. Never for a moment was I out of his sight. And that spoke so deeply to me because I read this book when I was going through a really difficult struggle in my life. It was a struggle that a lot of people couldn't really relate to or understand, so I felt very alone. I didn't feel that I had a lot of people who I could just pour my heart out to or who could relate or understand what I was going through. So it was a very lonely place, and the trial just kind of stretched on and on and on. And as I read the story of this woman who said yes to the call of God to live a poured-out life and, and recognized that it cost her dearly, and yet through it all, she was so triumphant in Christ. I realized that if someone like that could face everything that she faced and still come out victorious with the grace of God upon her, then that same grace, that same power was also available to me. It really got me through, was one of the tools that God used to get me through a really difficult time in my life. I was given a few years ago an audio message that Darlene shared at a church in her hometown years after she had been in the Second World War as a prisoner and been on the mission field for 40 years. And the audio message is truly just incredible because here she is 40 years later talking about this season of her life when she was taken prisoner by the Japanese and she was put on death row and she was in a concentration camp and she lost her husband. And yet the faithfulness of God is what comes shining through her testimony. And she is still just choked up and moved to tears when she thinks about the faithfulness of God during that time. So powerful. I want to highlight today three spiritual lessons that I learned from Darlene's life, and we're going to go through more episodes because there are a lot of principles we can glean from her life. And I do want to say, if you haven't caught the series that I did on Amy Carmichael, she's another one of my missionary heroes. These women of God are one of the reasons I love unpacking their stories and really gleaning principles from their lives is because it gives a practical demonstration of how the victorious Christian life is lived out. Everyone's story is going to be a little bit different, and we won't all become prisoners of war like Darlene was. We won't all be called to the mission field for our whole lives like Amy Carmichael was, but 
we can glean incredible biblical insights and principles from the way these women applied the truth of God to the different situations in their lives. They're not perfect. And I would never be one that would say, we just need to imitate every single thing that they did. But there are some things we can learn from their example. And I I feel that so many of us are hungry for mentors and godly older women that we can look up to. And sometimes that's very lacking in the church today. And that's one of the reasons I love Christian biographies. So here are three spiritual lessons that I wanted to start out with from Darlene Dibler's life. And the first one is that God shapes the desires of our hearts. That is an incredible principle. God shapes the desires of our heart. And we've talked about this in other episodes, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, which means he will place his desires within your heart as you focus on him and delight in him. And one of the ways that you can know that God is shaping the desires of your heart is that your desires are very different from everybody else's. Suddenly you begin to long for things that other people think are very strange. I've used the example before of the Jim Elliot and the the other missionaries that they were like little children on Christmas morning, even though they knew going in to meet those tribes that were so violent would could very likely cost their lives. They had such a passion to go in there and pave the way for the gospel. Darlene's story was similar. She was the very first woman to trek into the interior of New Guinea. So there were all these tribes that had been discovered by a pilot flying over just thousands of people who had never been reached with the gospel. They hadn't really been touched by modern civilization. They were kind of a stone age people and they were in a very remote part of the jungle. There were no roads, no way to get in there. And at that time, it wasn't even easy to get in there by by plane or by helicopter. So she and her husband became some of the first to ever trek into the interior of New Guinea. Now she went to a place where she had to live in a you know, jungle hut with a thatched roof and there were spiders and snakes and scorpions and she was around people that she didn't speak the language and th- all sorts of rats that she had to contend with and yet she felt she was coming home. God put such a passion in her heart, such a love for these people and she knew she was where she was called to be. And she says in her message that she just doesn't believe in culture shock. She said, if you're aware God wants you to be, he takes care of all those things. So she delighted to go where others wouldn't dare to go. Many men, strong men had died just on the trek to get into that jungle. And she became the first woman in her 20s to do it. When she had to leave because the war broke out, it was truly heartbreaking. She just couldn't bearer to leave those people that she had begun to love and pour into. It was a love that was placed there by God. And there was this little boy who had been kind of a houseboy, but he was kind of like her adopted son and having to say goodbye to him, not knowing when she would come back was actually heart rending for her. Most people would be excited to leave a place like that. No modern conveniences, no normal food, lots of diseases, lots of dangers. And yet she was heartbroken to leave. She found a joy and a delight in going where no one else would go. And that is because God shaped the desires of her heart. So after she and her husband had been in the interior for a pretty short time, but they were really making headway with the people, they were forced to go back to the coast because the Japanese were taking over during the war. They were taking over the entire island. And this was a real test of faith because she finally went and got established and was doing the work that she felt God called her to do. And then it was abruptly cut short. And she must have really wondered, am I where I'm supposed to be? She was with a group of other missionaries on the coast. She was with her husband and they were with their leader, Dr. R.A. Jaffrey, who was a very godly man. 
and the Japanese were taking over, war was breaking out, it was a very dangerous place for foreigners to be. And there was an opportunity that they had to get on a ship, it was the last ship off the island, and they said, we'll take all foreigners and all women and children who want to leave before the Japanese get here, we'll take you if you want to go. And Dr. Jaffrey said to all of the missionaries, don't talk amongst each other about what you should do, take it to the Lord and let him pray. He will lead you, he will guide you, and then you can know whatever he tells you to do, you're right where you're supposed to be. You're not a coward if you leave, and you're not unwise if you stay, you're obeying God. So all of the missionaries went and prayed whether they should get on that ship. And it was amazing because not one of them felt compelled to get on that ship. They all felt that they were supposed to stay exactly where they were, even though the future there was very uncertain. And they found out later that that ship had been torpedoed and sunk and there were no survivors. God was showing Darlene in that situation that she could trust in his protection, even during the most stressful and difficult times. And that is the second principle. When we choose to trust God's protection, his providence, his protection over our life is very real. There's this incredible story where she was in a house with a few other women missionaries. And by this time they had taken the men away she had to say goodbye to her husband. And the only man that was with them was Dr. R.A. Jaffer. Because of his age, they let him stay. So it was he and his wife and Darlene and another missionary. And they were they were constantly having to get up at night. It was this very old, poorly built house that had rats. It was rat infested. And they were kind of like under house arrest. They weren't allowed to leave their house. The Japanese had taken over. They were sort of like house prisoners. And they were very vulnerable there. They didn't have a lot of ways to get food and supplies. And there were a lot of local bandits that were breaking into the houses and attacking people and stealing things. And in the middle of the night, someone broke into their house. She thought it was a rat. So she got up and she told her other missionary friend, let's get up and let's get rid of these rats and get them into the kitchen, corral them. And then we're going to kill them because they're tearing apart this house. They're so loud. So they got up and it turns out there was a bandit in the house and Darlene Dibler chased after him. And then she wondered, why did she do that? But he went running the other way. And then they boarded up the house the, the best that they could. But there really was no way to lock the house or to protect themselves from bandits coming back night after night. But no one ever came back. No bandits ever came back. And after the war, she tracked one of them down. And she said, were you one of the ones who broke into the house and took these things? And he sheepishly admitted that he was. And she said, well, you knew that we were so vulnerable there in this house alone with, with only one older man to protect us and no locks on the doors. Why didn't you come back and break in and steal more things? And he looked at her sort of like, she was crazy. And she said, well, you had all those huge people in white standing around your house. We dare not come back. And she realized it was the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. That's what it says in the Psalms. What an incredible story. God's protection is real. So here they were under house arrest in a stressful, difficult situation with the Japanese. And yet God was still protecting them in such an obvious way. The third principle is that when we obey, God's word does not return void and our work, our labor for him is never in vain. Sometimes when we take a step forward in obedience to God, it can seem like there's no fruit, no outcome to our ministry. And you can think, well, was that a wasted conversation? Was that a wasted step of obedience? I've thought about this a lot with Darlene's life because as she went into the interior and she and her husband finally got established there and really were making headway among these unreached people, it was so abruptly cut short before they really were able to do everything that they had dreamed of doing. 
she must have wondered, God, didn't you call me here? It seems like this war has totally derailed your plans. And sadly, her husband was killed by the Japanese during the war. So she didn't even have the hope of returning there with him to continue that work. And it was really interesting because Dr. Jaffrey, even during all the time of the war and as people were being taken prisoners, he he would sit in his study. This was before they went to the concentration camps and they were still under house arrest. And he would, he would just trace these unreached areas on a map with his finger and tell her, this is where we need to go after the war. We need to go to this area and this area and this area. He had his eyes on God's bigger picture. He wasn't distracted with the news of the war, what might happen. He just had such a vision for reaching these people. And she walked into his study one night and he was giving her a specific area that he felt they were supposed to go to after the war. Well, after years and years of being a prisoner, almost dying, losing her husband, almost completely losing her health, she finally, the war was over. She went back to her family in the United States and you would think, okay, well, that was sort of a waste. She was just there for a short time and then most of her time on the mission field was spent as a prisoner. And yet as she began to get physically stronger, she she had really a strong conviction that God wanted her to go back, that God had called her to the interior of New Guinea even before she met her husband and even though he was no longer there she was willing to go as a single missionary. And people said to her, you know, you you deserve to think about yourself now. You've been through so many hard things. She said, no, I, I am called to live a poured out life. I'm called to those people. So she began to pack and prepare to go to the mission field. Around that same time, a man came to see her who was also called to the interior of New Guinea. And he had watched a documentary that talked about her first husband and his trek into the interior. And he wanted to meet her. And as they talked, they began to recognize they had the same vision, the same passion. They were married and they went together to the interior of New Guinea. And they went to the very same area that Dr. Jaffrey had been pointing to on his map in the study that night. And they pioneered the work among the Dani people. And it was one of the strongest, most incredible outpourings of the grace of God in the interior of New Guinea, one of the first sort of forms of the gospel coming in. So God does not, his word does not return void. It was not in vain. The seeds that were planted were watered. What an incredibly powerful story of God's redemption. So if you have something that you've invested into or that you've given yourself to and you've felt called to it, but it just doesn't seem to be producing a lot of fruit or it got cut short abruptly, just know that God is still working behind the scenes and he will work all things together for our good. He will not, his word will not return void. It is never a waste the the steps of obedience that we take for his glory. So as a recap, we've talked about God shaping the desires of our heart. We've talked about trusting in God's amazing protection. And we've talked about God's word does not return void. All of the the seeds that we sow for his glory will be watered in his perfect time. Those are just three of the most amazing principles that I've gleaned from Darlene Dibler's life. We'll dive in more next episode. But meanwhile, I hope you'll take those ideas, those principles to heart and allow God to show you in your own life how they apply to you. Because I've found so many parallels in my own life, even though I've never been to New Guinea and I wasn't a prisoner of war. There's so many parallels in my own life with those principles and things that I have begun to apply that have truly been life-changing. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart life, I invite you to join us at our website, setapartgirl.com, and explore the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered